Welcome in to the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith here with Espo and Gerald Borgay. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? I'm good. I, I can't wait to be not sitting at my desk to do this show, but other than that, I'm good. It's so bright behind you. It's like you're broadcasting from you're the glowing. surface of the sun. Do I do I here? Let's see. I've got I've got light control here somewhere. Let's see. Is that better? Should oh. I go this way? All right. In the middle. There you the, go. I can't go. I, oh. Hold on. In the middle. You want in the middle here? Here is that better? I feel like yeah, it was the same. Yeah, you know, I feel like we should have done this before we got oh, on uh, on the actual show. That would have been good. Thanks for the heads up, uh, Gerald. <laughs> I don't remember it being that bright. I don't know why. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I'm doing good. I'm apparently in a much cooler location, but uh, yeah, doing good. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today. So for today's show, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss all the news and notes surrounding the Suns and the NBA over the last 24 hours. And then we've got a really cool series that we're going to be doing for the rest of the week for you guys called Unsung Heroes, where we hand out some flowers, maybe argue about how many flowers, but it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun as Espo continues to <laughs> finesse his set there. Who's that? Um, that's perfect. I All think right. That I'll just really hold good. this Charles Barkley poster behind me the rest of the show. So. <laughs> um, so let's get into some of the news and notes and things that have happened in the last 24 hours on social media. The one that everyone is talking about in our chat right now. And uh, we're already starting to see both sides of the coin here. There was a rumor that Anthony Davis is going to be traded to the Phoenix Suns for DeAndre Ayton and Cam Johnson. This came from a Western Conference executive via Sean Devney. What do you guys make of this rumor? It's really nice that Rob Palenka is talking to Sean Devney. <laughs> I mean, that's the Western Conference executive that I think would be like, yeah, this sounds like a great deal, and I think it could happen. Like, I just... Why would you make a, a conference foe that much better? Anthony Davis is a is a very good, borderline great player if he's on the court. And that if is doing a hell of a lot of work in that sentence because this guy can't stay on the court. There's a reason why a lot of people refer to him as Mr. Glass because he is he seems to perpetually be injured so you're trading two young key pieces for a guy that is arguably on the back half of of his career and can't stay on the court i'm gonna i'm gonna take a slightly contrarian route here because i i hear what you're saying as far as he's not on the court enough to be to make this a good trade and i completely agree with you i will say though that if he were healthy that's a winning trade. Like two years ago, if you could trade DA and Cam Johnson for Anthony Davis, that would be a good move. Like he was arguably the best player on that Lakers team during their finals run. Like he was very good. Um, and we've seen what he can do in playoff series when he's there. He's a legitimate two-way presence and he's a superstar. Like he is, he's not just like a good player. He is an elite player when he's healthy. 
problem obviously is that he's not very healthy a lot of the time like you look at the last two years he's played 40 games and 36 games like that's just not enough he's gotten hurt and his injuries have tanked the lakers chances i'm not saying they would have beaten the suns in that first round series two years ago if he had been healthy i still think the suns would have won that series but it would have made it a much tougher last couple of games with him on the court i just i have a hard time viewing him as the star that you put you know, a lot of these assets that we keep talking about that the Suns could make a trade for into Anthony Davis. I see a lot of people saying the Suns as currently constructed have a 0% chance and the risk of Anthony Davis is worth it because at least you increase those odds. I don't understand how you look at last year's team and say that they have a 0% chance this year. Like I get they shit the bed at the worst possible time and everybody thinks they're frauds and whatnot, but like they were the best team in basketball until they stopped acting like it. And I'm going to keep saying that. So I don't see Anthony Davis as the guy that you make that kind of trade for this. Whole I think you fr- go ahead. I was just gonna say this whole, they're frauds is, is very bizarre to me because they've done it for two years in a row, mm-hmm. right? They, they've, they've proven it over a course of two seasons, two of the most grueling seasons because of how compact all of it was. So to me, I don't understand how they're still viewed as fraudulent. Yes, they played the worst game that they could have at the worst possible time, but I don't think that makes them fraudulent or you know or unvalidates everything that happened the previous two seasons to that. Well, if you if you've spent the last two years invalidating the Suns, it's been every team they played had a significant player or players injured during their finals run. They lost when they finally played a healthy team, and then they got you know worked. And at the worst possible time against a team that they should have beaten in four or five games tops. That's what the Warriors did to them. And I think we can all agree heading into the playoffs, the Suns were the best team in the NBA. So I get how people are chalking them up as frauds. I'm just not as quick to dismiss their title prospects entirely for the upcoming season when, let's be honest, they were a young team that had one single playoff run under their belt where everything kind of magically fell into place for them. So like, this is their first comeuppance. This is their first like, oh, we got smacked in the mouth. How are we going to respond? I don't feel like writing off that type of thing. And I certainly don't feel like giving up two significant pieces, especially because it would have to be midseason if you make this trade because DA is not trade eligible for a few months. Like, I, I just, I don't see it. Maybe if if Anthony Davis is fully healthy, but even then you're taking a very, big risk as far as him lasting throughout an entire playoff run. My biggest question is if Anthony Davis is healthy and everyone around him thinks he can remain healthy for an entire season, why would the Lakers make this move? Right. And they're the ones that have seen all his medicals. They understand, you know, who he is, what his work ethic is, how he recovers from things, how he doesn't like that. That's a red flag right there to me. This smacks of the guy at the bar at 1.58 a.m. looking for anybody to go home with, like in some of these (laughs) Suns fans' desperation. Like, look, I get it, but are you playing for right now and the next, you know, the next 82 games? Or are you playing for a a long, sustained window to be open? I, I, I think if you go all in on an AD like that, you go in on a KD, you're saying this year is the only time we have to win, right? And and we need to do it now uh, yeah. in, in, in a large way. And 
I think that's, I, I just, I, I get it, but I also don't get it. If that makes sense. Uh, I, I think I wouldn't shorten the windows of AD and KD to that extent. I do think KD is a different class of player than Anthony Davis is. So I think if you can trade for KD, you, I mean, you do that. We've been talking about that for months. Um, but I do think, yeah, like there needs to be a balance to if you're going to make a superstar trade, it has to be one that you are confident is going to push you above everybody else or at least to the same level as a title contender because beyond the next season, two, three, then you're looking at having to really restructure things. Um, so you're pushing all your chips for the next one to two years if you make that trade. I think KD is that guy. I don't know if Anthony Davis is that guy, mostly because of the health factor. Yeah, I, I still think you can get where you want to be this year without having to severely damage your long-term outlook, right? And and because this team is not that far off. I agree it's currently constructed, and if you don't make any additional moves throughout the year, that you're likely not going to win the West, win the championship. But the thing is, they're loaded up with the assets you need to make a move in season to add the kind of pieces that you may need. And it becomes, in a lot of ways, easier to acquire talent in season when teams fall off the radar guys get hurt and now all of a sudden a team's tanking rather than trying to fight for a playoff spot like there's opportunity and i think the suns will take advantage of that to to buoy what already is a an extremely strong roster uh in the western conference so i think what i've noticed the most uh since this rumor hit social media is that there seems to be like two camps of Suns fans, ones who um, think that the regular season last year holds more weight than the playoffs did and ones that think the playoffs hold more weight than the regular season. And those who are more concerned because of the way the Suns looked in the playoffs are willing to make this trade. The risk is worth the potential just mess that it could potentially be in order to make a move and change this team a little bit for hopes that the playoffs would be better next year. But I don't know that this is the right move. Granted, it is just a rumor. So of course we're all talking about this based right. on something that is probably not even realistically true. Um, but I don't think this would be the right move for the Suns. Right. And I agree with you. And I, I think both things deserve stock. Like I think the regular season deserves stock and I think the playoffs deserve a little bit more stock, but I'm of the camp that like, I'm not going to ignore everything that came before when they looked like a completely different, drastically different team in those last five games of that series. Um, it was, it was something I, and a lot of people just were not expecting. They went up 2-0 in very convincing fashion. It felt like the series was over. Um, and then they just completely stopped being themselves and, and credit the Mavs and Luca and whoever you want for, what happened there for, you know, Jason Kidd out coaching Monty in that series, whatever you want to call it. But like, they just stopped being themselves. And I, I don't think we should ignore everything that came before because of that. Like in the Bucks series, they got beat by a team that was just playing better basketball at the time. In this series, they got beat by themselves. And I think that that matters. And I don't know that that's something that's going to happen again, necessarily. Well, and that's the thing. Like, don't write them completely off right now. We haven't even seen, like, people are like, oh, the chemistry, it's all, it's gone. Like, 
How do we know? We haven't seen anything <laughs> since that game. It was one. Okay. I get it. The whole series, back half of the series, was rough. But it, but I, if they had lost, I'd a buzzer beater rather than you know by you know twenty five thirty points. Uh, you know, and having been down as big as they were, I don't think it's the same reaction. It, mm-hmm. It's the last taste in her mouth was complete embarrassment. And that taints the entire view of what's going on because nothing else uh, happened this off season to change that. And that's why so many people uh, were in on the KD thing. Right. And if those KD rumors don't happen, I don't know if we still have, this mindset right now there may be a more positive mindset going into this season because it wasn't the this great hope of some star coming to save us after what happened at the hands of Luca and the Mavs in game seven yep and winning a championship is hard and the goal and the hope is that you learn from the mistakes that you've made these past two seasons and the fact that some of our younger players are going to continue to get better and take steps forward when you put all of that together, the hope is that you'll be better than you were last year or the year before and actually be able to get over that hump. So while other teams, yes, have gotten better, in theory, so should have we. By the mm-hmm. time this season comes to an end, we should have gotten better, even if it remains the same. But like you said, it doesn't have to remain the same. There's plenty of time to still make moves before the postseason. So... That's uh, that's your rumor corner for the day. Uh, what's up, AD? <laughs> Hope you're doing well. <laughs> the next thing that happened on social media in the last 24 hours, uh, Markeith Morris agreed to a one-year deal with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the biggest thing that came out of this was the tweet that Shams sent out saying, an addition who brings production and leadership as an 11-year NBA veteran. Uh in reference to Markeith Morris. Now, this made Suns fans feel some type of way. Espo, I know you have big feelings about that tweet. First off, screw you, Nets fans. Let's make that very clear, (laughs) who have parked in my mentions. I was not talking about your team. I was talking about Markeith Morris. I guess you can lead people into the gutter, into the ditch, like, but that's not a quality leader in in what you're getting in Markeith Morris. Like, let's be quite frank. Markeith Morris is not a leader in any sense of the word. He's not a locker room guy, unless your locker room needs to go kick somebody else's ass then maybe uh, you know that's uh, you know somebody that can help you do that in the dark corners of things but like look this is a guy they're taking a flyer on for depth it's not a leadership guy and Markeith Moore should never be confused as a leader anywhere yeah he's he's a decent basketball bench player at this point for a team like that that needs guys that can produce for the minimum or whatever they're offering him but like leadership I, I struggle with and I was I'll admit I was very early in my sports journalism career when the Morris twins were in town but they legitimately made that experience worse and I know that the Suns culture and everything that was going on with the team at the time was not great they were a losing team everybody was unhappy but they were the type of dudes that kind of exacerbated that situation um, so yeah leadership I, I struggle with that one I wasn't around um, during that time, so I was not personally victimized by (laughs) the Morris twins. However, I understand the feelings that this brought up, but this tweet was clearly uh, um, an (laughs) agent-approved tweet to send out for the information that 
uh, Shams received from the agent about the sign. Here, you go. Here you go. Just tweet this with one of them hashtag bullshit things. Yeah. You know? <laughs> go with that. Go with that. Like uh, it was definitely a, uh, a just, you know, here, here's something to say about this guy. It is. I just, I feel sorry for Steve Nash is all I have to say. That is yeah. one of the most unstable locker rooms I think I've ever seen. Ben Simmons and the drama that he brings, Kyrie and that, uh, you know, that unique brand of uh, of off the court. Uh, Markeith Morris, like this is just a very, very bizarre locker room. And uh, good luck to everybody over there. Okay, real quick. I want to address some things that are happening in the comments. Somebody says Saul got fired with a crying face emoji. Saul did not get fired, you guys. He's not fired. Who? Where do these were? Is this the same Western Conference executive that claims that the Suns are trading for for AD? Like, is why, where are these reports coming from? Oh my from? God, I don't know, but it's the off season, so it's rumor season. But Saul did not get fired. Saul is also our general manager, and so he has a lot of responsibilities. And one of those is making sure that our studio comes together perfectly and beautifully. I promise you Saul is still a part of our squad. Hold on a second. Saul is literally behind me. This wall is the wall to his office. Hold on. <laughs> hey, Saul, did you know you got fired? <laughs> oh, I just had to let him know that the, that the chat uh, <laughs> had fired him. Oh, my so. gosh. Uh, no, Saul, Saul is working tirelessly to bring our new studio to life. And also, while we're talking about our new studio, let's give a shout-out to our friends over at More Furniture, who hooked us up with tons of furniture and tables and chairs and all the pieces that we needed for our office and our new studio if you guys are interested in checking out their Labor Day sale, visit morefurniture.com. That's M-O-R furniture.com. Saul is actually going to be with us at Four Peaks tomorrow. And look, he's right here in the flesh, real life. Everybody calm the fuck down. I'm coming back next week. I haven't gone anywhere, which is really fucking busy, okay? Love you guys. <laughs> Brian said hashtag pray for Saul. Pray for Saul. <laughs> But here's the thing. Um, we do actually have a really cool segment coming up for you. I told you guys about the unsung hero thing. We actually made Saul make a video so he could be a part of this conversation. So you'll get more Saul later on in the show. Just hang tight. But before we get into that, we do have one other thing on social media that I want us to talk about. This one came from the Phoenix Sun 2 on Twitter. They sent us a message and they asked, which former number one draft pick had a better first three seasons in the NBA and why? And it's between DeAndre Ayton and Zion Williamson. So I'll let you guys answer first. Which one has had a better first three seasons? No disrespect to uh, the Phoenix Suns, too, on Twitter, who uh, tweets us a lot. But this is a truly dumb question. Like, <laughs> Aiton, Aiton has played. Aiton has helped win playoff series. Aiton was in the finals. Uh, Zion Williamson uh, has showed up every once in a while and, and played even less than that. Like the only thing that Zion's accomplished is I think he's put it on as much weight as I have in the last three years. So look, I mean, when healthy, I think Zion is the better player. Like you look at his last season, he played 61 games. So he still missed significant time. Even in that full season, he did put up 27.7 boards, four assists and shot 61% from the floor. Like, it's pretty clear he's a monster when he plays, but I'm sorry, you can't play one-third of the same amount of games as D.A. 
and say, oh yeah, I've had a better first three seasons. It, like if we're just talking about the first three seasons, he's played 85 games total in his entire career. Like it's it's not even a question. It's not like if close. I only had if I only had to show up every tenth show, oh I'd bring a banger every tenth show. Like I'd be great. Like but the thing is, the job is being here day to day, and Zion can't do that. I mean, they talk about it all the time in this league. One of the biggest assets that you can bring to the table is availability. So regardless of how high your ceiling might be, if you're not available, you're not contributing to your team. You're not helping them win games or a championship. It kind of goes back to the whole AD thing. In theory, is he a great player? Absolutely. There's no question. But if he's not available, then he is no longer that good of a player. It just, it is what it is. It's unfortunate. And you can make the argument whether it's, their fault for not training more or it's accidental or whatever, but it's definitely DA. This, this, right. The answer to the question is DeAndre in right now. Right. I would love to see Zion healthy and play a full season, but like if it's just the first three seasons, this is not even a, a fair question. It's not even a contest. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that was all the NBA Suns news and notes from the last 24 hours on social media. Before we get into our first unsung hero segment of the week, I do want to remind you guys that tomorrow is our monthly last Wednesday at Four Peaks. We're going to be hanging out at their brewery in Tempe all day long. All of our shows will be live from their brewery. And this is your formal invite to come hang out with us. You can join us for good food, good fun, uh, great beer. That's August 31st, just in case uh, you guys aren't sure. Tomorrow, August 31st, Wednesday at Four Peaks. And we will also be announcing our Toast of the Month sweepstakes winner tomorrow as well. And that sweepstakes gets you a chance to win a $50 Four Peaks gift card, a PHNX shirt of your choice, and a PHNX annual membership. If you have not signed up for that or signed up for it again today, head on over to gophnx.com or click the link in our show notes. But just a reminder, to enjoy the Four Peaks beer, you must be 21 years or older, and we ask that you enjoy responsibly. But the whole family is welcome to come hang out with us at the brewery. And uh, the food is good for everyone, no matter what your age is. So come on down and hang out. All right, guys, you ready to talk about our first unsung hero? Yes. Okay. Today we're going to be discussing Ricky Rubio and how this kind of all sort of came together was we felt like there were certain people who deserve some flowers for helping the Suns get to where they are now. This winning basketball that we all know and love so much, there are people who are no longer with us but they deserve some flowers. So we're going to hand some out today and we're going to start with Ricky Rubio. So first and foremost, he averaged 13 points per game, 8.8 assists per game, 4.7 rebounds per game in the one season he was with the Phoenix Suns. Let's talk about this bullet point first. Gentlemen, who wants to start? Yeah, I mean, when you look at this, it's not as if he uh, blew the doors off in terms of points, but what he did do was prove that if you had a comparable point guard who could pass the ball uh, and, and could run an offense that this team could resemble an NBA team again. And that was huge because if you remember the poo poo platter of G league players that, uh, that held that spot down for the previous two and a half years before that uh, there, there's a huge reason why you needed a guy like Ricky Rubio to help establish that uh, when he did. So, uh, so I think that's what those stats show you is they had a serviceable NBA point guard finally. 
Right. And, and he was a big part of, obviously this was the first year with Monty kind of at the helm of this new offense, but he kind of laid the blueprint for, okay, what does this offense look like with a pass first point guard or a guy that can facilitate and help make life easier for Devin Booker. And we'll get into that, but his 8.8 assists per game was fourth in the entire NBA that season. And it was nearly one third of the sun's league leading 27 assists per game. So like he was kind of setting the tone for a lot of the ball movement that we saw with that group that led the NBA in assists. Um, and, and he kind of, a lot of coaches laid this out when we asked about Ricky Rubio throughout the league. I think Scott Brooks said it best is I don't think he gets enough credit. He wins. He just has a winning spirit. Sometimes the circumstances don't allow you to be considered like a winner because it's a win-loss league, but he plays a winning way. And sometimes you need the guys around you. I think he has the guys around him with Booker and Kelly who are going to be a part of their winning culture. And so that looking back on it is kind of prophetic. Obviously Kelly's not a part of the Suns anymore, but he was able to identify, and a lot of people were, that Rubio was helping build on this culture, build on this foundation on and off the court as far as, yeah, you look at the teams he's been on, they haven't always won, but this guy is a winner. And I think we can definitely relate to that based on how Booker's first couple of years in the league went. Um, and, and so you look at the other numbers too. Uh, his on-court net rating was tied with DeAndre Ayton for – the team best that season and his minus 2.8 net rating with him off the court was second to only Devin Booker. So if you look at the numbers, there was the biggest swing when he left the court in point differential that season. So he was kind of intrinsic to, yeah, maybe they weren't a winning team. Maybe they didn't make the playoffs, but he was kind of intrinsic to that season that helped turn things around for this franchise. I also think that 8.8 assists allowed um, Devin to play off ball a lot more than he was asked to prior to Ricky joining the Suns and it allowed Book to do Book things. And mm-hmm. then also during that season, um, Book put up career high points per game averages and field goal percent marks. So it was very clear that Ricky made an impact on Devin and allowed him to really thrive in ways that he wasn't really able to thrive prior to Ricky joining the Suns. Well, and, and Ricky also, I mean, one of the knocks before he was here was his shooting, and he found a way to improve that as well. The 13 points a game, I don't think, fully reflects that, but he he became a guy that you had to account for, which also opened up things for Book. Well, yeah, you bring it up. So let's look at our second bullet point as far as reasons why Ricky deserves flower. He shot a career-high 361 from the three-point line when he was with the Suns. We talked a lot about the assists in the last bullet point, but you can't ignore the shooting, like you said, Espo. And Ricky being a threat on the floor also helped free up Devin to do his thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, This is is a career 32.6% three-point shooter, and it was one season that was really good, and it came at the perfect time for this group because – Like we've been talking about, up to that point, Booker had to do the scoring, the playmaking, the creating, um, all of it on offense because their best point guards were like Isaiah Kanan and uh, Mike James for the last year or two before that. Like Devin Booker was their best point guard for that stretch. So to have a guy come in who can not only drive and set up a lot of the offense, make Devin Booker's life easier in that regard, he was also able to spread the floor. So if you played off of him, 
he was actually capable of making you pay, which is something throughout his career he hasn't really been able to do or at least maintain that. He was able to do that in Phoenix, and it made a big difference in making them more efficient, more competitive, and more well-balanced in that regard. Yeah, and and he earned the trust, the full trust of his teammates offensively because they knew they could kick it to him when he was open, that he was going to be able to hit those. And I think that confidence helped this group as well because that was something that they did not have when it came to the to the point guard position was they they didn't fully trust that and that's big because book had to had to learn to to trust a point guard to set him up to put him in the right place and that he didn't uh you know he didn't have to carry the load for that Mm -hmm. so we know that ricky was devin's first pure point guard and i think from my opinion Having Ricky allowed the rest of the world to see what we all already knew about Devin, right? We knew Devin could be that guy with the right help around him. Ricky showed everyone else that Devin could be that guy with the right help around him. And I'd like to think that that kind of helped CP3 maybe make a final decision. It wasn't the deciding factor, of course, but it might have been in the decision-making process, being able to see what Devin is capable of having a true point guard next to him on the floor. And then also, like you guys had mentioned, he was a huge part of that bubble run with the Suns, which is what really started the turnaround for this team and showed us and other people around the league that we've got legit Phoenix Suns basketball back again. Right. And then you look at what they were able to do during that bubble run without Kelly Oubre, and I think without Aaron Baines as well. I mean, it was really impressive. And and Book was the leading factor in all of that. You know, he just had an incredible eight-game stretch to remember there. But Rubio was the one that was kind of setting things up. He was the quiet veteran voice. He was the guy that helped them that season improve from 29th in defensive rating the year before to 17th, which is not great still, but it's at least closer to league average um, and that was what helped them kind of make this jump in in the win total that we hadn't seen. I think with like 17 games remaining, they had already won more games than Devin Booker had won in a season in his career to that point. So it, it was kind of indicative of, of what was to come. And, and his impact on Book, Lindsay, you mentioned uh, that Book averaged a then career high. He also shot just under 62% true shooting which is still a career high, even the last two years with Chris Paul don't measure up to that season. Uh, And Book led the league in points per touch among all players who got at least 3,000 touches, so guys that are considered high-usage players, high-usage scorers. Um, The year before, he was assisted on 64% of his field goals with Rubio. That number dropped, or 64% were unassisted. With Rubio, that dropped to 54%. So it really took a lot of the onus off book to create his own shots and allowed him to get into this role that he would take with Chris Paul, where, yes, he's playing with a a more ball-dominant point guard, but he's maximizing his efficiency with the touches that he's getting from that point guard. I also think um, one of the things that really stood out to me from Ricky was he had mentioned after while he was playing with the Cavs after the Suns, he came in for a game and was asked about Um, contributions to teammates and helping them get better and uh, he said he deserves a little bit a little bit of the credit for Mm -hmm. helping book and other teammates of his become all-stars here's that video 
Yeah, all the credit is on me. I mean, they wouldn't be all-stars without me. <laughs> no, I, I got lucky to really play with uh, players like Donovan, Book, uh, all those guys, really, <clears throat> really, really special guys. Um, but of course, uh, I just bring my experience, try to help them <clears throat> becoming better players. That's what I've been doing since I was young, uh, make my teammates better and uh, try to do this uh, over here this year. So obviously he's play, being playful here, but there is oftentimes a little bit of truth within jokes, right? And making his teammates better is something that Ricky Rubio has been known for and put emphasis on throughout his entire career. And it's clear that he did put an emphasis on that here while he was in Phoenix, helping Devin, helping the rest of the, his teammates here in Phoenix grow and get better in their game. So he does deserve a little bit of the credit there. Oh, even if he is fully joking, I mean, he does deserve that credit and even goes back as far as his days with the Timberwolves and, and what he did with Kevin Love as well. I mean, he he's a guy that, that helps stabilize things uh, everywhere he's been. Uh, and and so he can joke about that, but he has had a big part in helping these guys develop. And, and he's a great teammate too, which in the Suns case, I don't, there were very few great teammates, selfless teammates that Devin Booker interacted with before this group and in particular, Ricky Rubio. Yeah, absolutely. And and you, that whole season, you would hear the way that they would talk about him. You know, Booker said his leadership and his tenacity for the game is contagious. Monty said he's been a catalyst for us since day one. He talked about how Book and Rubio had, you know, they kind of immediately hit it off on the basketball court in terms of their chemistry from training camp um, and even mentioned him as someone that he relies on a lot. So as much as, you know, we talk about Monty and, and Chris Paul, their relationship, their basketball minds, like Rubio was kind of on a similar, not the same level, but he was somewhere in the ballpark, at least in terms of someone that Monty could rely on. I remember at uh, media day when we were talking, when we were asking Monty about Rubio, he was talking about how excited he was to have guys like Rubio, like Baines that had playoff experience that Rubio was coming off of that MVP summer with Spain. And they won that FIBA uh, tournament. Like they were very excited to just have guys that get it guys that had been through hard practices that had been in the playoffs that knew how to lead that knew, you know, the ins and outs of NBA life. Because at the time we had talked about this so many times, the team's need for, not just veteran leadership, but guys that could actually be veteran leaders and play at a high level still. Cause a lot of the guys that they had brought in like Tyson Chandler, Trevor Ariza were kind of over the hill and didn't contribute as much on the court. And Rubio was a guy that did both. So they just sang his praises all season long. And, and Monty had said, you know, he's a general for our team. He's someone I rely on. Um, and, and I love hearing about Rubio he's talked consistently about Donovan Mitchell, Booker, Andrew Wiggins, Cat, like all these stars that he's played with. And he said going into the season, like I know what it takes for these guys to be stars and most of it's on them, but I know how to help make them better and put them in positions to succeed. And, and that's what we saw with Book. And it wasn't just Book either because DA, it was the same thing. He averaged a career high in scoring and field goal attempts that has not been matched since you know, his efficiency went way up with Chris Paul 
but Rubio was kind of the first to show, okay, here's what we could do with DA in a pick and roll attack, especially if we flank them with shooters and it just got better from there. And uh, the last bullet point that we want to highlight here is of course, he was a part of the trade package to the thunder to mm-hmm. get Chris Paul in return. So this one's kind of a no brainer, right? Piece of the puzzle that was needed to get CP three. You could make the argument if you wanted to, that this deal doesn't get done without Ricky Rubio being on the team. But Gerald, to your point about being like a leadership and a really good locker room guy on this team, I also think the fact that when this trade hits social media and after it kind of had died down, Ricky was very openly upset about the trade and he talked publicly about not liking it essentially. And I think that goes back to show how committed and invested he was in this team and their growth and development. Yeah. I mean, you, you would hope a guy would be upset that he had to leave a place. We've saw too many guys who were elated at the fact that they got to leave Phoenix. And that felt like, uh, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but a seminal moment where you're like, Oh, this guy didn't want to leave Phoenix. This guy is actually upset that he's no longer a member of the Phoenix Suns, where for a decade, everybody else was like, thank God I'm out of there. <laughs> so uh, I actually found it refreshing that Ricky was upset that he wasn't here anymore. Yeah, and I think it kind of, it, it was an incredible one-year journey. It seems like he played here longer than just one year, because if you remember at the start of when they signed Rubio to that three-year, $51 million contract, I think it was, people were hammering that move on the outside. They were, Everybody was approaching it like, don't the Suns know they're a losing team? Why are they overpaying for a point guard who can't shoot? Why are they trying to get better? And you know, three years later, we can look at the last two years especially and be like, that's why. Because we had a guy who helped build these winning habits, who put Booker in a position where when he did play next to a superstar or a star point guard, he knew what to do, and they helped build those winning habits. They closed that bubble on that 8-0 run that changed their entire fate. And Rubio, unfortunately, was kind of a casualty of all that as far as being involved in the trade. But we shouldn't forget about everything he contributed because he immediately proved that it wasn't an overpay, that this franchise desperately needed a point guard, and, you know, he he just kind of laid the groundwork because he said when he was on, I think it was on media day coming into this new team, he had been talking about his experience with Spain. And he had said, you know, like at the beginning of the tournament, nobody counted on us. Nobody thought we could really do something. But my mentality from day one was we're going to win it. And that's the same thing that I'm coming into this situation with is we're going to be in the playoffs. We're going to make the playoffs. And they didn't get there, but it set them on the right track. And, you know, it it was just a critical move to bring in a guy who could actually play that point guard spot. And it was devastating to see him leave in the way that he did because he gave a lot and he saw himself with this franchise for the duration of that three years Um, going into the bubble. He kind of prophetically said this. He said, I think the chemistry is building up, especially on a young team where you spend a lot of time together. Like I was saying at the beginning of the season, the road trips will help us. And I think this is the longest trip we're going to be on in here. We'll be able to really build the chemistry up. That's going to help us for the future. And they did like, they absolutely did. And even if he couldn't be a part of it for the long haul, which is sad, like he lent a lot of things that helped the Suns get to where they are. 
Mm-hmm. Why, why have we not talked about the most important thing, though? Ricky What's reminded that? us that long hair and basketball can be <laughs> sexy. Like, we've got a long history of it here. Steve Nash, uh, even Pat Riley back in the day when he played here. Uh, you know, Lou Amundsen with the long hair and man bun. Phoenix loves himself some long-haired basketball, and Ricky Rubio <laughs> reminded us of that. Also, you can't leave out the gorgeous eyes and the eyelashes that everyone brought up in the chat as well. Like, <laughs> there are all factors in here when we're determining how many flowers we're going to hand out. You, just can't, you can't leave it off the table. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to give flowers to long hair and, and sexy basketball. It's just required. <laughs> All right. I told you that we would hear from Saul. Um, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break because OGs wants to give you guys some free stuff. So let me tell you about that. Uh, so our partner of at OGs has teamed up with us for our Flavoring Life sweepstakes. And one lucky winner will receive three, yes, three bags of OGs, including the orange creamsicle and tropical flavors. You're also going to get an OGs hat, a PHNX shirt of your choice, and a PHNX annual membership. To sign up for this sweepstakes, all you have to do is head on over to gophnx.com or click the link in our show notes. But you, but if you don't want to wait to get your hands on some OGs, you can always check out OGs online at ogsbrands.com, on Instagram at ogsbrands, or you can find their products at your local dispensary, but you must be 21 years or older to purchase. So if you have not signed up for that sweepstakes, hurry, go do that right after this show ends. Um, so you don't miss out on any of the goodies. Okay. Saul couldn't join us for the whole show. Hold on. Hold on. Before we get to Saul, Rick in the chat said, what about Tom Chambers when referring to air? That was a mullet. We do not recognize the (laughs) mullet as a, as a solid hair choice here on PHNX Suns. That is not, (laughs) that is not allowable. And we will not, we will not take that into consideration whatsoever. Tom Chambers knew the trends before the trends came into being a trend because mullets are super hot right now and tom has been rocking one for the last decade so he was a way ahead of the time hold on way more than the last decade (laughs) (laughs) we're talking 30 years or more than 30 years that tom's been rocking the mullet and that wasn't ahead of the curve that was just a personal choice and we do not recognize the mullet here as a quality basketball hair choice (laughs) all right here is what Saul ha- thinks about this whole conversation. Here we go. Listen, Ricky Rubio was fantastic for this organization. They needed him in the worst way possible. The putrid play of the Phoenix Suns for the last 10 years shows that. But I think he gets a little overhyped a little too much in terms of being a savior and, you know, basically basketball Jesus reincarnated all over again. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. People like to act like Devin Booker like grew like exponentially uh, with Ricky Rubio's arrival. He did not. He was relatively the same player, slightly higher shooting percentage. That's about it. The key thing was is that Ricky Rubio was a- able to make other players a little bit better simply because he wasn't a disaster. He was consistent. That's it. He was consistent. And yeah, he had some very, very good games had some 20-point games, had some double-digit assist games. But in terms of, like, superstar level and all the credit going to Rick Rubio for turning this franchise around, 
I think it's way overblown. I think that's more on the growth of DA and the growth of Mikhail Bridges and the growth of Devin Booker as a leader than it has been Ricky Rubio and what he brought to this franchise because, I mean, shit, the same team the very next year got to the NBA Finals and the only thing that really changed was Chris Paul. So that was the first time that we had heard Saul's thoughts. So we all listened to that together. Gerald, do you want to start with your uh, reaction to Saul's thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I would get it if I thought people were painting Rubio as a savior. But the only reason we look at him as basketball Jesus is because the man had the beard and the hair to pull it off. And he was just such a kind spirit. I don't. I would agree with him that like Booker deserves the credit for growing into who he became and that Rubio doesn't deserve the sole credit for that. And I also agree with him that like Mikhail and DA and Cam Johnson and all these other guys taking steps forward is what got the Suns to this point. But I do think that that needs to be factored into what helped get the Suns from, you know, bubble team, bubble sensation that misses the playoffs to finals team. Cause like, yes, Chris Paul, changed but that's not the only thing that changed Mikhail Bridges got a lot better DA became a two-way force in the playoffs um and and I think that Rubio deserves credit for helping lay the groundwork I would never give him sole credit for that but yeah he did show what the Suns needed in terms of a valid pass first point guard of how this offense could run of what Devin Booker could look like not having to do everything um and again still the highest true shooting percentage of his career by more than a few percentage points. So he was very efficient as soon as we saw what he could do with a legitimate point guard. Look, you had to have basketball Jesus and sacrifice him to have the point guard arrive. I mean, it's How just... did I not know this was going to happen? I should have known that we should have made a graphic. That's phenomenal. Doggone it. The second Saul said basketball, Jesus said, there's the opening. Here we go. Look, I don't think Saul's wrong, which if you either of you tell him I said that, I will deny it to my death. But I don't think right now. I think he's watching. I don't think Saul is wrong here. Oh, God. I think Saul is extremely wrong. He totally did. We had to sacrifice in order to get the God. He totally got it. Now I don't. Now I don't feel like I can agree with the man. No, look, I, I don't think he's wrong in the fact that you can't give sole credit to, to Ricky Rubio. And I don't think we're trying to do that here. He was a part of it. it. It was showing you what was possible. They were still subpar when he was here, but it was a, a, a step in the direction that you needed to take and a step in the evolution that Devin Booker needed, uh, that DeAndre needed. It gave stability uh, to, to lay that foundation is the, is the only thing I see with it. So. Yeah, he doesn't deserve all the credit, but he definitely deserves some of the credit. Okay, mm-hmm. so before we get to our final arguments, we're going to take one more break because I want to tell you guys about the DraftKings Sportsbook app. The wait for a brand new NFL season is a- almost over. Uh, the season is about to begin, and it's a lot more fun with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code PHNX when you sign up. Because when you use that code, you're going to get $200 in free bets instantly after you place a $5 bet on any football game. It is that easy. When you use the code PHNX, only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also, if you are just getting into sports betting or betting on the NFL or NBA, all these seasons are starting up again. We do have a bet show for you with our guys, Johnny and Shane, who break things down, make it really easy for you to understand how to use the app. Good, um, smart-ish bets. Obviously, you always have to make that decision for yourself, but smart-ish bets to make um, to at least get your feet wet into it. So That should be the, the name of the show, Smartish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be kind of fun. It could be fun. Okay. So we're going to round things out. On a scale of one to eight flowers, and that's a little nod to the Bubble Suns, how many do you give Ricky Rubio? Uh, I'll give him five and a half out of eight. Okay. I was I was going to go five. How do you get – you're going to get petals or like a half I am. Flower? I'm, I'm going like to actually – It's a little wilted, chop the stem but it's still there. Chop the stem off. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll go five. I feel like five is – a good amount because he didn't directly contribute to what we see now or over the last two years, but he really was instrumental in kind of helping set the tone. I think. I think I'm going to go with five from the basketball perspective. And then I'm going to add one more on to make it six from the hair perspective. Cause he <laughs> deserves a whole flower for the luscious, gorgeous mane of hair that he's got. That made everybody jealous. So he gets an Look, extra if, flower for that. If we were basing it on hair, he gets nine. I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm giving him that. If we're basing it on overall looks, it's a 10, a 10 out of eight. So <laughs> let's not go there. By the way, Pugs and Hugs said in the chat, not getting past the first round with Rubio. But the thing is that you got to remember prior to Rubio being here, you weren't even going to get to the first round. It wasn't even a thought that you could have. So you got to remember it's a step in the, pr in, in the process here. And that's what he helped them take. So, right. The, he was, I thought he was going to be more than just a stopgap point guard. I, I, but I think with a franchise like this, like you look at teams like the thunder back when they had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, like, yeah, they took huge steps overnight because they had three superstars to build around from a young age. The Suns didn't have that. They didn't have guys of that caliber other than Devin Booker. So their progress had to be more incremental. And I think that Ricky Rubio was the next logical step, and he was, he was a good step in that regard. All right. Well, there is your Unsung Heroes uh, first flower distribution of the week we hope you come back later on this week to hear who else we have selected to hand some flowers out to this is like an episode of the bachelor or the bachelorette <laughs> or something like that will you accept this rose um will you accept this marginal point guard yes yes we will <laughs> Hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, this new segment that we're doing this week. It's been a lot of fun to kind of revisit the past and uh, see how far we've come and remind us of all the good things that we do have. So hopefully that made you guys feel better about where the Suns are at coming into this season as well. Real quick, I do want to remind you guys, uh, we want you to stay safe and healthy. COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you. We'll be at Four Peaks tomorrow, but we'll be here on YouTube, same place, same time as always, 2 p.m. So plan to either come hang out with us in person or at least come chat with us uh, live here on YouTube. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at LindsaySmithAZ. You can follow Gerald on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. 
You can follow Sal on Twitter at Sal underscore Bookman. And of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. Remember, just because you hear rumors of somebody being fired online doesn't make it true. Ahoy, ho.